When Paul asked me uh, to speak, there's a flood of scripture, a flood of thoughts that came to mind. And uh, I'm not sure Paul was aware of how dangerous it is to ask an older person to give a parting message. Because with more years, you get more long-winded <laughs> and also potentially senile. <laughs> so if I repeat things, please, please forgive. Uh, what I'll speak on today is not going to be startlingly revelation, revelational in terms of new, but a reminder of what's really, really, really important to God, which means it should be really, really, really important to us. So we're just going to give some scriptural foundations. Uh, you know, there is some... Um, some people who are uh, hounds on theological orthodoxy here, so I'll, I'll make sure that um, at least I have good scripture and some good biblical foundations. So we're going to look looking at the preeminent priority of love. Now, why, why did I uh, choose this? Well, I believe that it is preeminent because it is preeminent with God. Way back in the Old Testament, as God is giving people final instructions before they enter the promised land through his servant Moses, he begins with, uh, in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, with the Shema. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. And so this is very important to God. In fact, um, this is so important to God that uh, I believe this is said every, every Sabbath in the synagogue. But not only is it important to God the Father, it is also important to God the Son, Jesus. Because at least on one, if not two occasions, Jesus is asked, which is the greatest command of all? Okay, so what's the bottom line to the law? And... The Jews, particularly the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and others, were very, very careful in uh, trying to understand the law. And so there are at least over 600 different laws. So they wanted to know what the biggie was. And Jesus repeated Deuteronomy um, 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he added, and the second is this, Leviticus 19:18, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Also, um, we recognize that in the New Testament, when it speaks about uh, the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the ninefold fruit of the Spirit, the first one is love. So obviously, love is very important to, to the triune God. It is also important to the early church. You know, as we look at uh, Peter and 1 Peter talking about Christians loving each other, if you look at Paul, even in doctrinal theological books like Romans. He speaks of the love of God for us, the, the sacrificial, the unconditional love. And then he follows that up in the later chapters with our response of love uh, to others. We also um, recognize that John, the beloved apostle, the apostle of love, he speaks very much on, on love. Uh, the the book of First John is devoted very much to the, to the theological test that Jesus is the Christ, to the 
moral test, obedience is important, but to the social test of love, love for each other. So we know that love is very uh, important. Then also at Crossway, um, I understand that your theme this year is loving your neighbor. And uh, in line with that, you are studying the book of First uh, Corinthians. Well, you know, First Corinthians was a real jacked-up church. <laughs> they had a lot of issues. And in some ways, um, First Corinthians is probably one of the most relevant books to us today because the Church of Jesus Christ is, is, is all jacked up. Um, but in the, midst, in the midst of Corinthians, in the midst of a conflict chapter, um, and by the way, um, Paul did not write First Corinthians 13 for a wedding. Uh, it, it was actually in the midst of a conflict about the use of tongues in the church that he, he said, now I show him in the more excellent way. And then he, he, he begins to speak, speak about love. So uh, that's also uh, a factor. It's also very important to us, too. Uh, if you have visited our home, we have um, scripture where there's Betty's needle point or others uh, hung up. And uh, I see Linda nodding her head because... Uh, she, she comes over to her home at least um, once a month. It's, I don't think it's called a wild group, but uh, it's a discipleship group. Uh, and we have 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 uh, in the house. We also have the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And uh, way back when, 36 years ago, Betty and I had as one of our scripture passages, 1 John 4. That, that passage that, 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 was, that was read. On our wedding invitation, our program, we actually had just that one verse, we love because he first uh, loved us. And as Paul mentioned, um, I am a Jamaican. I don't look like Usain Bolt or Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> and I had thoughts of borrowing my friend um, Norm's... Um, fake Rasta um, cap with his dreadlocks <laughs> and asking um, Jimmy Marley and the Crossway Whalers <laughs> with Taco beating out that heavy reggae beat and uh, the backup singers, uh, Christine and Kelly, uh, not the I-3s, but uh, singing uh, that. But I figured that... Um, Bob Marlowe's a little bit deviant from, from the Christian faith because uh, the Rastafarian faith believes that Emperor Haile Selassie is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and Ethiopia is the Promised Land. And I also suspect that Crossway does not use the weed of wisdom in its services. <laughs> uh, even though it's legal in Colorado and legal for medicinal purposes here, but uh, so I decided to, to nix that idea. <laughs> anyway, our strategy for this morning is to you know, go quickly through some biblical foundations, which you already know, so it's kind of just a reminder. And then just to illustrate some things that are, have been important to us and that are important to us as our life's core values that Betty and I share. Uh, so in terms of scriptural uh, foundation, the first is that love is a command from God. John begins by saying, 
beloved, let us love one another. But he's a little bit stronger in verse 21 where he ends his little talk on love where he actually speaks of it as a command that those who love God are commanded to love each other. So love is not a nice suggestion. It's not a natural emotion, but it is a command because if it were a natural emotion or uh, suggestion, uh, John would not have emphasized that. Also, uh, love originates from God. If you look at the Greek, it says, for love is ektutheu, love is out of God. God is the source of love. So if you want to know where love comes from, God is the source of love. The uh, third thing that I found here is that love for others indicates the life, the knowledge, the presence, the work, and the love of God in us. And I think John spends a lot of time in this passage on it. So, for example, he stresses the fact that uh, we get the new life, we get experiential and real knowledge of God. So he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. A longer passage which indicates uh, the fact that uh, God's abiding presence is with us. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of the spirit. That uh, tension between the, the horizontal and the vertical. And then again, he who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And then, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> That's the message version. Uh, For he who does not love his brother whom he has not seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Uh, another aspect of love that we find in that chapter 4 is love is the character of God. This past year, our, our community has been studying the different characteristics and attributes of God. And it's not that God is loving or God sets the standards of, of love, but God is love. If you want to understand what love is, look at God and see how he relates to people and see how uh, his character reflects in his actions. So God is love. Another aspect of this passage, and you know, yeah, you don't have to go to theological seminary to actually just look at this passage to pick it up. You know, you can do the intervarsity inductive Bible study or whatever. So love is demonstrated preeminently by our sacrificial God. Verse 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. Now the truth about love is God takes initiative. Love is initiated by God. While we were enemies, as Romans tells us, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Then, Moving along as we look at uh, that section in 1 John 4, 
love is demonstrated preeminently by the beloved's mandatory response to God. So here's John appealing to his little children, beloved, if God so loved us, and if here is not in the sense of just hypothetically, but since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Another truth that we find in this passage is love of God is confident and fearless. In this is love perfected with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and he who fears is not perfected in love. Ninth aspect of love is love is our response to the love of God for us. Uh, different manuscripts um, add, you know, we love him, but I think the best manuscript says we love because he first loved us. If we have truly understood and experienced God's love for us, the true experience is a response of love for him and for others. And then uh, finally in this passage, love for God and for others is inseparable. This commandment we have from him, that he who loves God should love his brother also. All right. So we're just being reminded of, of all this about love. Um, it's not my words, it's, it's the word of God. So let's look at the two most important things in life, or the most important and then the uh, secondary sub-point to that. Loving God totally. Loving God with all heart, soul, mind, strength. Now, I want to preface this with the fact that I am not giving you a system, a rule, an order, or code of David. But personal things that I have found helpful and that you may find helpful either directly or you can principalize it or you can contextualize it that will help you to, uh, to develop a growing and a full and a total love for God. So here are a few things I have. I kind of jotted down maybe six things and I'll just share some of these six things with you in terms of just uh, my journey and Betty's journey. Uh, one of the things that I do in the mornings is what we normally do when we meet people for the first time in the morning. We say good morning. And uh, what I would usually do every morning is mentally say, morning, Lord, here am I. And I would use uh, three words which I had shared with SFI a number of years ago. Here am I, doulos, huios, agapetas. And I'm not speaking in tongues here. Let me kind of uh, just explain to you. Doulos means not just a servant, but a slave. I recognize that 
I am God's servant, God's slave, which was actually quite a uh, popular designation that Paul had for himself. And this reminds me that I need to be in a posture of humility. I need to be in a posture of uh, servanthood. I need to remember and recognize that I am the servant. Uh, he is the master and Lord, and I take orders from him. Huyas is son, or if you want to say daughter or child, um, technos. Uh, you could say, okay, I'm a child within the family. I have privileges. I have special access. I'm an heir to the father of fathers. So it's just a reminder of who I am uh, with God, not who I am in the world. And then the final thing is uh, agapetos, beloved. Here am I, your beloved. I'm loved unconditionally by you. I am given the privilege of being your lover. I am being the privilege, I'm given the privilege of being part of uh, the bride of Christ. So I think it's a good thing to remind ourselves on a regular basis uh, who we are. Now, I'm not usually so good at ending the day because uh, I'm usually tired at the end of the day and uh, my wife complains that I go to bed too, too quickly because as soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm gone. I tell her that I have a good conscience. Uh, uh, I'm able to sleep well. Uh, so I, I, I usually do some review uh, the next day. But I, I think it's always good at the end of the day to be thankful to God for, for the day you've given me to live for you and to serve you and to love you and to love others. And um, So good night, Lord. Uh, the second thing that I found helpful is to develop regular rhythms of communication with God. Not merely because of the benefits, uh, not merely because I can give God a shopping list so he can um, be the celestial Santa Claus, not merely because of crisis, God help me, I need you desperately, not because of a sense of oughtness or guilt or duty, uh, and uh, you know, my wife has been in cardio rehab recently, and um, she's just finished, and um, she's, she's doing fine, so she would go every other day, but at the beginning of that day, she would be asked, have you done an exercise the previous day, and I confess that she's been truthful because she was on our treadmill in the garage on the day she was in, in cardiac rehab. So she could honestly say that she actually worked out on an exercise for the day. But she would confess that she was probably more motivated by guilt um, so the, and, and, and also maybe fear of the nurse asking her, um, and she had to be, uh, be honest. So the ultimate aim is that there would be joy, enjoyment, and delight in exercise. Uh, I don't think it's come quite yet, but I think she's beginning to see the benefits of it more. But my point is that I connect with God not because of duty and obligation or guilt, but the joy and delight and enjoyment that I have with meeting with God. I think some of us, uh, if we think of uh, our best friends, we look forward to meeting with them. 
And so that's the type of feelings that um, uh, we, we would want to have for God. Um, I would just list maybe about three regular times uh, with God. One is a da daily time or a quiet time in the word and prayer. And um, I believe that uh, uh, for a time, I, I don't know if Paul, uh, Pastor Paul still does it, but he used to meet together with a group of people maybe last year or two years ago, um, just kind of a going through the word and praying with people. So, you know, again, the, the daily time and the daily meal are important. You, know, you may not remember what you had for lunch on Tuesday last week. But what you had for lunch on Tuesday last week, even though it may not have been memorable, is what is keeping you alive and healthy today. And so, you know, that's the whole issue of, you know, showing up and spending time with God and feeding your lives on God. In addition to daily times, I would uh, list um, just periodic times. Um, extended times with God, um, a.k.a. solitude and silence. And... Pastor Paul has not asked me to give a pitch for solitude and silence here at um, Crossway. Neither have I had a vision from Dallas Willard last night, uh, who has departed from us, that solitude and silence are important. But we need to make time and space for God. If God wants to speak to us, do we give him time and space to speak to us? And then there are continual times that we need to... Um, uh, connect with God. Um, I am certainly not at the point where I am like Brother Lawrence, where I can practice the presence of God every moment of the day. Uh, my kind of a, uh, connection with God is more, you know, spiritual Skyping or texting or emailing. <laughs> and uh, I, I also confess, too, that uh, the times that... Uh, that I pray to God outside of just the regular quiet times is when I'm in counseling, when I have no idea of uh, what to say or how to say it. Um, but also, I think during times of uh, emailing, when I'm emailing people, oftentimes I'm praying for them. Lord, just give me wisdom in knowing what to say and how to say that would be of encouragement and of strength to them. Uh, or when I'm driving, um, I don't. We don't need spiritual Bluetooth to talk to God. Uh, it's, it's legal to talk to God without um, being prosecuted by anybody. So um, let's make use of that opportunity. And sometimes God gives spiritual reminders and promptings, uh, which, which you ought to pray. Uh, the other thing is uh, just being aware of sacred pathways to God, mine as well as others, um, how I connect best with God and how others connect um, best with God. So some of us may see the glory and majesty of God in the outdoors and uh, in the mountains and in the skies, you know, we connect with God. Some of us just hate bugs outside and we hate the heat. So, you know, that's not our spiritual pathway. So let's figure out what our spiritual pathway or pathways are and let's connect with God and let's be understanding of others who don't necessarily connect in the way that, that we connect. Um, be teachably obedient to God. Uh, if we have a correct theology of, of ourselves, we are 
sinners, not because we sin, but we sin because we are sinners. Um, ask any parent in this room here if you had any idea about original sin when you had your first child. You did not have any doubt as to uh, whether we were born with original sin. I see a few chuckles here. Uh, and and w one of my favorite old-time hymns, which has been revived recently, has been in a come thou fount of ever blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. And that one verse is, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Keep my heart from wandering, keep it till I'm perfected above. Or, you know, if you want to be more biblical, you can look at Romans 7, just the struggle that we have, the good that we want to do, we don't do, the bad that we don't want to do, we don't, oh, wretched person that I am. But um, just let's always be teachable, obedient to God. Uh, they also engaged in God and his eternal kingdom purposes. Uh, here's just some notes that I wrote recently as... Uh, and, and sometimes it's good to just type things out and just verbalize. But, but here's, um, here's just some jottings I wrote recently. God has not called us to be spiritually obese, comfortable, entitled couch potatoes on a cruise to heaven unless we're on the spiritual Titanic. God has called us to be involved in the greatest adventure, mission, and war ever. Will I waste my life with temporary, worthless trivia or invest it in eternal, priceless treasure of transformed lives and communities, living the present and future principles of the king? Am I willing to say to God, whatever it takes to accomplish your purposes, and whatever you say, the answer is yes. And I believe that um, God has placed us on this planet for purpose, and it is not just to... Uh, enjoy ourselves, but it is to uh, live life with him, do life with him, and to serve him. Um, I also included um, one aspect of loving God totally in a community sense. Oftentimes we think of it more in a personal sense, but in a community sense too, because uh, our faith is community-based. And uh, being purposeful in our community at times with God, uh, worshiping in the larger and smaller community, learning in larger or smaller community, serving in larger or smaller community. Uh, that, uh, that's how we get to know. And you know, one of our spiritual pathways could be that uh, we get close to God by serving God and serving others. So here are just some ways that I found helpful, that you may find helpful in loving God. Maybe I didn't touch on some of the things that you find that resonates most with your growing to love God totally, but identify what these things are and pursue it as a priority. And then the next is love God as selfily. Well, we in America like to coin new words, and so selfie is now in the... Um, the uh, authorized Oxford English Dictionary. So uh, why not make, a, make an adjective, an adverb from it? So uh, I, I couldn't find an appropriate adverb, so uh, I'm just trying to summarize that verse. Love, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And uh, I had 20 things written down here. Uh, 
but I'm just going to share three uh, because I'm going to nix the first um, three of the six that I have here. Uh, love people based on who I am, not what I do. Not just because like I'm a pastor or therapist or teacher or medical person and people helping business do I love people, but I do it not because it's, it's my job, but I do it because I am a Christ follower and I love people. Uh, and in the case for myself and Betty, whether we're doing mentoring or counseling, we do that uh, uh, based on who we are, not our function or office uh, there. Uh, love people based on their value for God, not their value to the world or to me. Um, I've had some of the most beneficial times with people who are not considered very, very valued or uh, highly uh, in society. Um, I remember when I was at New Song, I had some great times with, with our custodian. Um, we may have differed theologically and um, politically, but uh, he, was, he was just a delight to, um, to chat with and to, to get to know and to, to value. Love people hospitably not hurriedly. Uh, most of us are so packed with our time that we have no margins. And so we don't have time for people. Uh, so if we don't create margins and time for them, we're just too busy. Uh, sometimes we're going to be too busy with, with people, uh, with, with our kids. Uh, I can think of just this week. Uh, I bumped into somebody last week who I hadn't seen for years. And he wanted to see me for some reason. And I could have used every excuse because we're packing, we're looking for movers, you know, we're, yeah. Uh, but the thought came to me, do I love people? Should I make time, time for this person? And so um, on Thursday, I spent two and a half hours at pizza with that person. Um, I don't know the investments, but that was just God prompting me to say, if you really love people, then you ought to do so um, based on my prompting. Love people in thoughts, words, and actions. Uh, when I was in elementary school, I learned the definition of a verb. A verb is a telling or a doing word. And um, Father's Day, is it, was it last Sunday or two Sundays ago? Last Sunday? Uh, we spent with um, a mom and daughter. And um, this is one of the most difficult days of the year because a single mom and a daughter who is going through struggles. But it was such a neat time where we provided words of encouragement and affirmation to the daughter who was going through some difficult times. And at the end of our time of just affirming and encouraging, uh, she just said, you know, I, you know, I feel so loved. And um, I just sensed that this was where God's purpose would be accomplished. Uh, verb also involves actions. Uh, the mom, who is a single mom, you know, lost her job and had to sell her car. And so uh, uh, Benny and I decided that um, we we're going to loan our other car to her. Now, Betty's glad for that because she hates driving, but um, that, that, that's beside the point. 
the point is that as we see needs, uh, God will guide us to uh, show our love in very tangible ways. Love out of obedience, not likability. Did you ever notice, and you know, I, I don't know if your translation says it, but we're never commanded to like people. We're commanded to love. Now, there are some people that we just don't like. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, uh, my wife is usually a pretty good, good assessor uh, of people and character. And there are some people with whom I meet that I know she doesn't like. <laughs> um, you know, probably because, you know, like this guy who shows no emotional intelligence or this person who shows no social awareness. Uh, but we are not, uh, we're commanded to love. And so if it was something that's natural, instinctive, that, that we have love for everybody, we would not need to be commanded to love. So love is out of obedience, not likability, or as um, Gary Smalley said it a number of years ago, love is a decision. Love is not primarily an emotion. Uh, and then the, the final little point I have here is love people proactively, not passively or reactively. I don't passively wait to be loved. I don't react only when people show love. But one of the things that Betty and I have learned as we have lived in Jamaica and England and Canada and the United States is rather than waiting to feel at home, we make ourselves at home. Rather than waiting to be loved by others, we are loving people and love others. And um, I believe that that has worked, us, worked well, and I believe it will work well for our next um, point. Um, let me just, so you're probably curious as to what other things I had, or maybe you thought I was lying regarding the other things. So, love people genuinely, not hypocritically. Love people gratefully, not grudgingly. Love people generously, not stingily. Love people in scarcity, not merely in abundance. And you know, I have little illustrations to all of these, but you know, you want to see the football match later on. Uh, <laughs> Love people unconditionally, not conditionally. Love people on, this is another one of my words, unreciprocally, not reciprocally, not because of you know, tit for tat. Love people inconveniently, not conveniently. Love people sacrificially, not cheaply. Love people courageously, not fearfully. Love people sustainably, not momentarily. Love people discerningly, not naively. And I have a few, a few others here which have. Uh, but God speaks to us in very different and unique ways. And maybe just one line that I didn't include as one of my main illustrations God spoke to you there. Uh, I close with a story which I believe is a pretty reliable church tradition. Uh, the Apostle John who wrote the Gospel of John and the three letters of John and the book of Revelation. Uh, he was the one at the cross that uh, Jesus said to him and to Mary, uh, behold your mother, behold your son. And traditionally, 
he spent the latter years of his life in Ephesus. And when he got very old, he was not able to walk, so he was carried to church in Ephesus. And those of you who have gone to um, Kushadasi in Turkey um, have probably visited Ephesus. But he would hardly say anything as an old guy. But he would constantly say when he spoke, little children love one another. And, you know, I think that the, some of the younger ones particularly were, were a little bit annoyed at the repetition where all that he said was little children love one another. And so one day someone said to the aged Apostle John, is there anything else that you want to say to us? And he said, little children love one another. It is the Lord's command. And if you do so, it is enough. Christian life is challenging, it's difficult, it's complex. But bottom line, it's really pretty simple. So if I were to summarize our life purpose, our life goal, our life principle, it would be love God totally with all we've got. Love people fully. And so uh, that's our message to you this morning. Uh, the one love that God showed to us, we show that we understand that love by reflecting that in love for people who are lovely and lovable, but also unlovely and unlovable. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we have seen and we understand to some extent what love is. Greater love has no one than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. We thank you that your son Jesus laid down his life for us, uh, even when we were enemies of yours. Thank you, too, that you demonstrated love which was not based on how good we are, but you loved us, period. And so I pray, Lord, that just as how we have seen your love and perhaps don't fully understand it, that we who are new creations in Christ, we who are born of you, would also reflect our growing experiential knowledge and understanding of love by not merely saying that we love you, 
by not merely uh, serving you with glad and joyful hearts, but by loving people around us who we can see and who we relate with and rub shoulders day to day. Father, I'm reminded of your son Jesus Christ's words in his last message before the cross in the upper room where he says to his disciples, which apply to us as well, a new command I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you ought to love one another. By this shall all know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for the other. And Father, I would pray that this Crossway community would be known as a loving community. Because in being a loving community, they will provide evidence of who you are and what you came to do for us. So thank you for the ways that you are working in our lives and thank you for the ways that you will continue to work in our lives as we allow you to do so, particularly in the air of love today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.